What's up? Welcome to Tide Sessions, a podcast about water sports. I'm Mike and this is Mel. We're both super passionate about the water and together we co-founded a kite surfing school called Tide Water Sports. On this podcast, we're going to be chatting to athletes, founders and other rad people who also love being in, on or under the water. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we did. Today, we chat with the inspiring Holly Beck. Holly is an ex-pro surfer turned holistic surf coach. When she's not running surfing retreats in Central America, think dreamy Nicaragua and Costa Rica, she can be found helping women surf better and take care of their mental health through holistic coaching. We catch up with Holly to talk about her relationship with surfing, what holistic surf coaching actually means, how much fun she's had teaching at Kids and Passion, and why she loves party waves so much. We were also excited to hear plans for the next month, and we hope you'll love this conversation as much as we did. Hi, Holly. It's so nice to talk to you. Finally. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're very excited. Um, how is San Diego? Are you in San Diego right now? I'm actually in Northern California right now. Okay. It is very hot, like crazy hot. Northern California is usually not that hot, but it's like 100 degrees. Oh, wow. wow. I think that's what 40 or something in yeah. in your language. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say what's a hundred. Yes, um, that's, yeah, that's very very, very hot. hot. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah, it's really hot. I feel for you. I hope you've I got air it. conditioning. Or the no, no. Or just jump in the. But seat, I do so. have a hot cup of coffee to just like take it next level. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> amazing. Um, okay, well let's just jump in. Um, I think I wanted to start with. The fact that you mentioned a few times that the ocean is your place of healing and joy and release and kind of your favorite place, probably. Um, and I want to know when when it started. When did you fall in love with the sea? Well, I my parents would tell you that I was always a water baby, that I was happiest in the bath um, or they had like a little pool. I, I grew up in a community that is coastal, but my parents weren't beach people. So even though the beach was a 15 minute drive, um, it wasn't some place that they regularly took me. Um, so I, yeah, I grew up in the swimming pool and, and yeah, enjoying the nightly bath. Um, and then anytime I was at the beach, we would take like a, you know, in the summer, go a couple of times and they would say that they could never get me out of the water, even when the sea was cold and, you know, they wanted to leave. They were like, nope, I was still in there. So I don't really remember that so much, but I think that my memory of falling in love with the ocean, I was probably 12 or 13. And I was finally at the age where I had friends that were, you know, I was going to the beach with friends, families. So I was able to kind of go a little bit more regularly in the summertime. I had a friend that would go all the time and her family would invite me. And, and then it was like, okay, wow, like this is, this is amazing. I don't know why this feels good, but this feels really good. And yeah, from then on, it was just like trying to figure out how I was going to, how I was going to get there. That sounds so good. Um, I think we're water babies as well. I think it's Complete the same thing. People, yeah. yeah. Just couldn't take us away from the beach. Um, <laughs> I think, so, yeah. What sort of places were you visiting when you were uh, a child, like growing up like that? I, I grew up in Los Angeles area, and but like far from the city, kind of in the southern Los Angeles County, there's a, a town called Palos Verdes and it's really beautiful Um, most of the beaches are really cliffy and rocky and, you know, as like a young adult going, it was great. You could like walk down this beautiful cliff with the surfboards and hang out in the rocks in the sun when you get out of your wetsuit. Um, but as a kid, I was going to, there's like one little beach that's sandy and the waves are terrible and it's just like little shore break. Even, even in the wintertime is, was when you normally get better surf there that picks up, um, swell, Northwest swells. So in the winter, there's good waves relative to the summer but as a kid you know I was going in the summertime so just never be really anything to speak of um so I think that too I didn't really discover surfing it's not like I grew up in a surf town like at Malibu or someplace like that where everybody was surfing I mean there were people with surfboards but it definitely isn't you know it's not a surf town it took me a little bit longer to sort of discover surfing and 
I was learning to surf also in the mid nineties when there weren't a lot of women out. I mean, now you go to almost any beach and it's that maybe half women and some, some of the beaches I hang out with, it might be more women than men, but in those days there were hardly any, any girls at all. And when I finally got to that point where I was like, I want to be a surfer, like I've seen surfing and that looks fun. And I want to do that. And I went home and told my mom, like, I want to learn how to surf. And her immediate reaction was no surfing's for boys. You should be sitting on the beach, looking cute in your bikini, not out competing with the boys. And, you know, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you're never going to get a boyfriend that way. And, you know, I was like 13, 14. It was like getting a boyfriend was not high on my to-do list, but surfing now that that's what I want to do. Do you reckon we read about this and we're like, I would have, that would have made my blood boil. If my mom said that to yeah. me, I would have been like, what are you talking about? This doesn't matter. I just won't go out there. Um, do you reckon that pushed you in some weird way to get really good and then go pro and kind of show her that you could, you know? I think that was an element for sure. I think that, I mean, my mom and I didn't get along from as long as I can remember. Uh, I, I, like we were having that battle since very, very early days where like I was definitely a tomboy and I wanted to wear shorts so that I could play kickball at lunch. And my mom was very old fashioned and very girly and, you know, girls are supposed to look like this. And I think also aside from what she thought girls were supposed to be, she really wanted me to be her doll that she could dress up in cute dresses and, you know, put cute hairdos. And um, it was kind of like a reflection of her to have this like cute little quiet, polite, you know, obedient little girl at her side in a frilly dress, you know, which was like the opposite of what I wanted to be. And, and so from a very early age, what I wanted to be was a boy. I, I remember actually fantasizing about being a boy and it wasn't like, like that kind of that gender thing, like, oh, I feel like a boy or, you know, I wish I'd been born a boy. It was more just like the boys are allowed to do all the things that I want to do. And therefore I wish I was a boy. And, and then as I got older and then it was like, okay, I don't wish I was a boy. I'm very happy to be a girl, but I want to do what the boys are doing. And, and so, yeah, all along she and I really battled and, um, it did get to the point where I, I think more than wanting to prove her wrong, it was more like, because I had been said, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. That once I got to that age where I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyways, then I just had so much motivation that, and I just loved it so much. And that, that was really all it was. It was, it, there was some element of proving it to her, but more than anything, I think it was just like proving it to myself that I can do this because I think that, I think that even though I didn't believe her, like there was some part of me that always knew like that's wrong, you know, and especially as Lisa Anderson and, and Roxy and all of that came along and kind of showed, okay, girls are doing this. And like Lisa Anderson is beautiful and look at how cute she is in her board shorts, you know? But at the same time, I think I had internalized some aspect of that I'm doing something wrong. And it didn't help that um, I was like really shy and super self-conscious and not very social and really kept to myself. And the boys in high school kind of prove my mom's point like they sort of rejected me and and I got sponsored very young and all of a sudden I had this like cool surfboard and there was like a photo of me in a magazine and and I think that some of like the surfer boys were sort of jealous in the way that high school boys can be you know and immature stuff and and so they also kind of rejected me and so it seemed to almost prove my mom's point that I was doing something wrong and it was something that I kind of like fought against for a few years of really stepping into my own of like, okay, I'm going to put away what everybody else thinks, my mom, these boys, like whatever else, and just do this because I love it. I think that there was this like internal struggle of like really wanting to please these people, but then also like being true to myself that, you know, it took me into maybe adulthood to be able to kind of separate that and be like, okay, I'm not going to worry about pleasing all these people because you're never going to be able to and I'm just going to do what feels true to me but it is like you know a lifelong journey I think to fully make that connection I feel like that um bleeds really well into the next thing we want to talk about which is holistic self-coaching which is what you're doing now and you mentioned how 
you know, you were having all these conflicting feelings. So you probably were getting out there surfing and thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Or maybe are they looking at me like I'm a girl, you know, all these feelings. And I want you to talk more about what holistic, you know, surf coaching is really. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I had experienced a lot of childhood trauma starting with, you know, the battles with my mom and a lot of other things as well. And she was an alcoholic and definitely a emotional and physically abusive household. And I'm the oldest of five girls. And I actually lost a middle sister to an accidental fentanyl overdose. And she had struggled with substance abuse her whole life. Um, but I think really losing my sister kind of made me look at mental health differently. And, you know, I think there had been this stigma of like, help seeking and admitting that, you know, it's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's all fine. You know? And, and I know the family that I came from, it's like, we had all this stuff going on behind the scenes, but there was this outward presentation that everything's fine. And look at my beautiful little dollar daughter in her frilly dress, you know, and inside I was just like hating it. Um, and, and so I think losing my sister really kind of made me come to terms with that of, of speaking about, kind of what I had gone through and and what my sister had gone through and, and our whole family and, and really wanting to like look more at myself, the things that I had just kind of buried and been like, I'm fine, this is fine. Um, and I had a, gotten a psychology undergraduate degree, uh, but hadn't really planned to do anything with it. It was just like, I need to get out of college so that I can go be a pro surfer. So this is an interesting topic. I'm going to do that and then I'm going to be done with it. Um, but after losing my sister, I started thinking, well, maybe, maybe I do want to go back and, and look at that. And I'd also gone through a divorce just before that. And my ex moved to California. I was living in, in Central America with our two little kids. Um, and so he really started wanting me to move back to California. So I felt like all these things were kind of fitting together to like, okay, family stuff and my own relationship stuff. And maybe I should move back to California, but if I move back to California, what am I going to do with myself? Because I had been spending the last 10 years running women's surf and yoga retreats in Central America, just this business that I had built and this life that I had loved. And through that business, surf coaching, I started noticing that the, the physical aspects of surf coaching, the like, you know, paddle harder or put your foot in this spot or look in this way was only part of it. That you could tell somebody how to like paddle harder a million times, but when that wave comes and she's feeling afraid, it's not about the paddle. That's the problem. It's what's going on for her internally. And, you know, in a retreat setting, more so than just like an hour long coaching session, you really get a chance to know people, you know, you start hearing, you know, at dinner time or cocktail hour or whatever, they're telling their story of like, oh, my, their relationship stuff or their family stuff or job stuff. And I started to kind of like, Put the pieces together like oh interesting like she's telling me about her anxiety at work or at home or whatever and then in the water I'm starting to see that and it started to make me look at my own self too at how I was using surfing as a coping mechanism and how you know my self-confidence issues were coming out in my attention seeking in the water or whatever it was and so all of those things kind of fit together and I went back to school and got a master's in counseling, um, thinking, well, maybe if I move back to California and to kind of honor my sister um, and to like work on all my own stuff, like maybe I'll be a therapist and that'll be kind of the, the next day phase of my career. Um, and in going through that process, I had to be, um, I had to do an internship with a surf therapy organization, which up until that point, I didn't even know that existed. Surf therapy, what? Um, and through the internship, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. This is tying in this new thing that I've become really passionate about, which is destigmatizing mental health, evaluating my own internal state, helping other people to do the same and surfing. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, so that's what I've been doing. That has been the journey in the last, the last few years. And I graduated a few months ago officially, and now I'm looking at integrating holistic surf coaching into, well, that, the holistic aspect, the mental health aspect into surf coaching. That was a lot of information. That was, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's it such, I mean, it's one of those things that makes so much, so much sense when you think about it now, but it's crazy that it's not 
always kind of been used or it's not always used in coaching. Um, and I was thinking about it when I was reading about you as well, that when you were a pro surfer, that was probably, it's the kind of thing that probably wasn't a thing at all, right? Like I feel like in that industry, people are not out thinking about mental health in that setting, right? It must have been quite hard for that aspect of, no. Yeah, when I was a pro surfer, I don't, it wasn't something that anyone was talking about. I think now it's different um, with Gabriel Medina and even Griffin Colapinto in the last couple of years have had made like public announcements of their own mental health stuff. And, and I think that it's amazing and it's going on in the wider sports world as well. It's being more talked about. And I think that now in professional surfing, they, there's a lot more focus on having a coach and having a trainer where in my day, especially in women's surfing, you know, it was just kind of like, whatever, like there's a bunch of us traveling too many girls in a rental car and we're all sleeping on the floor, you know? Um, so there just wasn't, just wasn't as professional. There weren't as many resources as there are now. So it's something that would have really, I think, helped me back in those days. Um, and things that I wasn't even aware of. I mean, I knew that before contests, I should get a good night's sleep and drink plenty of water and, you know, maybe not have any alcohol and, and whatever, but, and stretch before my heat. But that was kind of the extent of it. It wasn't so much thing. And I don't know that anyone else really was either, at least not that I observed, you know, but now things have changed and it has become more normalized to talk about that anxiety and, you know, wanting to win and, you know, the stress of losing and, and all of that, um, so I think that's a good thing. I think we're moving in the right direction. But what I wanted to say too about holistic surf coaching is that the nice thing is that it can, you can kind of take it in any direction. Like for some people, it is like a more accessible form of therapy. It's like maybe they they aren't quite ready to say, oh, I, I don't need therapy. I just have the normal anxiety and depression stuff, you know, like, or I just have normal childhood stuff, which is normal stuff. It's like, I, I'm good. You know, it's like people who on the outside are very like high functioning, successful, you know, business women. I mostly do focus on women. Um, so people that look like they've got it all together, but of course everybody's got their stuff, everybody. And, and not everyone kind of feels comfortable in addressing it. So if you can do it in the context of surfing, then it suddenly feels a lot safer. It's like, we don't need to go into your past stuff. Like, if you want to, great, because sometimes it's helpful to know where the stuff came from, you know, if, but we don't need to. Let's just talk about right now. Right now we're paddling out and there's a big crowd and, you know, there's the woman that's like, oh, I don't, I don't belong out there. I'm going to go over here. And it's like, okay, well, let's talk about that. Like, maybe that's true. Maybe those are where the better surfers are and you're on a longboard and whatever. So you want to be over here, but let's talk about what's coming up for you. Like, why don't you feel like you belong out there. And a lot of times there's all these underlying things and, and you can talk about it in the safety of, we're not talking about what happened in your past. We're talking about what happened right now. But then for other people, it is, it, they do go realize, oh, you know, when I was young, like I, like maybe me, like I always wanted to play with the boys, but I felt excluded because I was a girl and I never felt like I belonged. And now I'm paddling out to this group of men and these same feelings are coming up. So it's a way to kind of, give yourself some compassion like okay these feelings you're having are valid because you've had them your whole life so let's let's talk about how to overcome them um and then for other people it can kind of just stay real surface level it's just like I feel nervous about this big wave and it's like all right well let's do some breathing techniques and what other things can we talk about to help you regulate your nervous system we don't even need to talk about why you might feel nervous, you know, because of what happened in the past. So people can kind of come to it at the level that they feel comfortable. Um, and, and then the other nice thing that I like about it for someone who maybe is more open to like the kind of therapy component is that instead of like going and sitting in an office for an hour or on zoom or whatever, and you have this hour to talk about it and it, it's, it's nice to sort of have a break because I, I noticed even in my own self, like, I'll be talking to somebody about something and, and then the wave comes. So it's like, okay, hold that thought. And then you ride the wave and then you paddle back out. And as you're paddling, you're kind of thinking and you come back out and you're like, Oh, I just had this thought, you know, that if you had just sat there for an hour straight without that break may not have come up. So there's so many different things that I, that I really like about it. Aside from just the fact that if it gets someone out in the water surfing, they're always going to leave feeling better. So it sounds like you must have helped like a lot of people with like 
how they're feeling and especially with surfing but what was the most um sort of rewarding thing about your job being like a holistic surf coach the most rewarding thing i mean for my own self that the fact that i get to call my job as a surfer and go down go into the ocean is is pretty nice um but i, I like helping people you know I, I like it when people have that like aha moment of you know i've been you know i've been afraid to do this or i've been not believing in myself to do that and then you kind of help them get to that moment where whether it's they tied it into something in the past and now they have this like understanding for themselves or that one little skill or that one little thing that can help them unlock and now they believe in themselves more or feel more empowered or you know it's kind of like the same way of like as a surf instructor when you push somebody into a wave and you see their little head pop up and they ride down the line and then they claim it with a big smile and you're like I did that you know like I had a part in that. That was mostly me. And then, you know, they're going to get better and it'll be more of them. But right now, like I did that and it, you know, it feels, it feels really good. And so it's, it's kind of that, but you know, you push a million people into a wave and, you know, they stand up for the first time and it's still cool, but it kind of loses the excitement, you know? So yeah. as a surf coach for me, you know, I started out pushing people into waves and then, okay, this is not boring, but like, what else can we do? You know, like, and then you get to like more higher level surf coaching and, you know, we've, I've done like advanced tube riding retreats where you're coaching women, coaching women into taking off on these like hollow waves and they get into the barrel and that's really exciting, you know? So this is just kind of that next level. And I feel like as my own self-awareness and growth has progressed, then I'm like really excited to share that with others and helping someone else have that same experience that I did. And, you know, I feel like aside from just, okay, yeah, you get a tube ride and that's amazing. And you're going to feel great about yourself. But if you can learn something about yourself that then helps you become a better mother or a better partner or a better friend, then it's like, I'm not just helping that person, but like all the people around them too. So I just got goosebumps saying that, like that feels, feels really good to be, to feel like I can have a positive impact on, on people that I may have never even met. And I wanted to know what, like, if your surfing has changed to when you went more into holistic, even for yourself, when you figured that out and you're like, actually, I should focus on what I'm feeling as well. Like, how did your surfing change? Because you, you write shortboards, right? Mostly. I mean, I do you do longboarding as well? Because we saw that photo of you with you in Waikiki, is it in Waikiki? And it's a longboard, your first, like, when you tried, right? When you're really tiny, it's really cute. It's a big long yeah. board. So it is, yeah. Yeah. The first time I really like got that glide of surfing, I was in I was like 13 in Waikiki on like a giant board for sure. But then that was like a family trip and we went and I begged and begged and begged and begged to rent a board and my mom said yes and that was what was available and and then we left Waikiki and I went back to California with no surfboard. So I did learn on a shortboard, but I, I really, I write everything. I probably like my go-to board is a shortboard, but I have everything in the quiver from longboards and thinless alayas and body surfing and kind of just like to mix it up. But to answer your question, and it's something that I'm really realizing even just over the last few months is what has changed in my surfing is I don't need surfing like I used to. Surfing be was for me like my number one coping mechanism like whatever emotions I was experiencing but mostly like the negative ones you know or if I was sad if I was mad if I was upset for some reason if I was anxious like I had to go surfing like I had to do it and it was great because I was a professional surfer so I went surfing every day pretty much so that was fine because I always had surfing was always accessible to me and it was something I was supposed to be doing I needed to be training it didn't matter if waves were stormy or flat or huge it didn't matter I needed to be out there because that was my job so it was fine and then as I and then I moved to Central America and started my business and it was the same thing it was like my job was surfing so I always went surfing and I didn't really notice that it was a problem until I was pregnant and, you know, in the early stages of pregnancy, I was just like, well, I'm going to surf until I give birth, you know, of course. And, and I did that pretty much. I surfed until I was like 32 weeks pregnant with my first. 
Um, but it got harder and harder and, you know, people were kind of looking at me funny and I felt like slow and I was like kind of worried in the water about other people hitting me cause I just couldn't get out of the way as quickly. And, um, I would get like angry if I felt like I couldn't get a wave because I couldn't paddle as strong. And I started like going, wow, this is going to be really hard. And then after I had the baby too, you know, obviously it took some time for the body to come back. And, and, and then now I've got this little tiny baby that needs me. And it was really hard. It was hard for me emotionally to not be able to use surfing as this outlet that I always had. And then I had a second baby and then it was even worse because, you know, now I've got two babies. I got a toddler and a, you know, newborn and trying to run a business and, and all this. And it really like was a huge factor in my marriage breaking up and and all of this and I don't want to make it seem like oh I got divorced because I was obsessive surfer but now I'm at this place now where I can look back and notice like how I needed surfing I had to have it and and now with so much more self-awareness and better coping skills yeah I still really love surfing and believe me I would rather go than not go but I don't need it in the same way and, and now, even when I have it, when I have access to it, I was just in Central America for three weeks without my kids. I could surf every day. And I noticed that I didn't, like, I was more relaxed, you know, like, I didn't have this need to be out there all the time. Or, you know, I didn't have so much self-worth or my whole day be dependent on how my surfing went, you know, like, there was a time in my life where, like, if I fell off on my last wave I couldn't go in because that and then the rest of my day my self-worth would be like tied to that performance on the last wave or people there are like oh I could never paddle to the beach like I have to get one in you know and like I think I used to be that way too like I could not paddle in I'm gonna stay out here until I get one and it has to be a decent one you know and now it's like when I'm done I just paddle in the I mean I'd rather ride one in but if a wave doesn't come and I gotta go it's not a big deal I just paddle to the beach so yeah, I think that my my own relationship to surfing has gotten a lot healthier. And I wouldn't have even told you that I had a problem before. But now I realize that like, yeah, I was using surfing as a coping mechanism, which isn't super useful because you can't always rely on surfing. Yeah, I feel like everyone's got something that they rely on as a coping mechanism. I think surfing is a, I mean, you picked a good one. It was a good cooking yeah. mechanism, I think. Could be worse. We've got. I, I, I definitely use kite surfing. Yeah. And, and I'm using. I think I'm using hot yoga a bit definitely. too much as a cooking mechanism. The way you were talking about, it, I was like, yeah. I feel this way about it at the moment. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's good to be aware. That's what yeah. even us talking about this is really interesting because people will think about it and be like, "Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'm using this, or you know, or that, yeah. or running, or anything. Could be anything, isn't it?" But um, yeah, and, um, and just to be yeah. clear, like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But then the problem is if you're using running as a coping mechanism and then let's say you sprain your ankle or you damage your knee or whatever it is, you got to go visit somebody that lives in a place that there you don't have access, then then what? Mm -hmm. So that's the main thing. Like I still use surfing. If surfing is accessible to me and I'm having those emotions and the most thing, the best thing I can do is go surfing. But now it's like, that's not the only one. I have these other tools that if I surfing is not available, I will not have a complete meltdown or sacrifice other things in order to get what I need, you know? So do you think your, your kids have helped you uh, with, with those coping mechanisms? I know I would not say that they have helped. <laughs> <laughs> they are not cabin kids is gnarly. But I think that part of that pro I mean, I think it, going through this process, going through the the counseling process is what helped me for sure. Okay. Um, but I, I probably wouldn't have been tested to the same level if not for the kids. For yeah. sure. Yeah, it's testing. It is pretty testing. Um Oh, well, actually, now that if we're on the kids, because I wanted, I saw that they're both surfing. I think your daughter goes in and out, doesn't she? She loves yeah. it and then she hates it. She loves it. I mean, she, they, they're both quite young. Um, but how was that? That's really nice. Did you, did you just like, hey, guys, do you want to hang out with me in the water? Like, how did you play it cool? Uh, no, I mean, they just, they've been doing it before they had much choice in the matter. <laughs> they were, you know, I was, like I said, I surfed through being pregnant yeah. and, my daughter, I think, got her first wave at like 10 months old. 
she was just sitting in my lap on a longboard and a friend pushed us into a little whitewash wave and we rode into shore and um because we they were both born in central america and that's where i've been living running the retreat so they were just with me at the beach all the time and it's hot so it's like oh let's go jump in the water and when the waves were right for it then um i started by putting them on my back like when they were little like they were like you know a year old a year and a half old um in that range i would like put them on my back and i would do a pop-up just on the floor you know in the house and and then I would have them tie hold on to my neck and I wouldn't hold on to them and I would swing them around to kind of and it was a game, you know, it was like you better stay on, you better stay on. And I was just testing them, getting them used to that feeling of holding on to me without me touching them. And I never used a life vest or anything. Um, even when they were little, little, like I have so much faith in my own surfing ability that I'm not gonna drop them, and then also faith in their ability to hold on to me. And so, yeah, even when they were like year and a half old, two years old and weren't great swimmers, I would have them way out, you know, in decent sized waves. And we would just catch one or two. It wasn't like we were going out for an hour. It was like we'd paddle out, we'd be singing and playing and splashing. We would sit out in the water and like splash on the board. And then when the when I, okay, then we would paddle over and like make sure that we got the first wave and we'd ride it all the way in and then big high fives. And then do you want to go get another one? And sometimes the answer was yes. And we'd go. Sometimes the answer was no. And then I would always just respect that. Like, okay, yeah, let's go in. Let's go get a snack. Um, and then as they got older, then it would start be where they would start on my back. And then once I would stand up, then I would grab their little hands and swing them around to ride on the board in front of me, holding on to them. And then as they got a little older, then they would lay on the longboard in front of me and I would paddle behind them and I would stand up first and then help them up. Um, and then during the pandemic, we were in Costa Rica for, well, the whole time, but I didn't, couldn't work for like eight weeks. So then it was a lot more just about them. Um, instead of like, okay, you're just along for the ride and I'm working and I'll come and grab you and maybe we'll go out for a wave. Um, and I think that, you know, part of that was like, they were eager to come with me because like they finally got to interact with me because I was busy, I was working and they were with the nanny on the beach and then here comes mama here, you want to come get a wave? And they'd be like, yeah, let's go. Um, and then, and then, yeah, well, during the pandemic, I got them into boogie boarding. So then they were riding themselves on their own little boards. And then my son, he was only like four. And all of a sudden he's like popping up on the boogie board. And then it's like, oh, well, if you're going to pop up on the boogie board, <laughs> let's try a surfboard. And he didn't really get it until it was really this summer. So he's, he just turned, he turned six in a couple of weeks. So it was like, he was like five and a half. And now he's kind of strong enough and, you know, eager enough where he has his own little tiny shortboard and he paddles himself out. And sometimes he's like, mom, don't help me. Don't help me. Um, and he'll pop up in the whitewash and kind of go down the line. And, um, and yeah, my daughter, some days she wants to do it and she's all excited about it. And she's bummed that we didn't bring her board and, you know, and then other days I'm like bringing her board. And then she's like, no, nah, I don't want to, I just want to swim. So my big challenge is not to push it because it's easy for me to kind of get frustrated and be like, well, I brought your board and here we are. We went to this beach for you. The waves are perfect. Come on, let's go. Um, sometimes it's hard to not like be like, you're going, come on, you know, then just kind of respect, all right, you don't want to go. We'll just swim. It's fine. And, and not hide my, you'd be able to hide my disappointment, you know, and not let her realize that. Um, I'm disappointed because she does seem to do best when she feels like she doesn't have to. And the last thing I want to do is be like my mom was, but in the opposite, like you have to surf, you know? Um, so trying to, trying to walk that line and some days it's easier than others. For sure. I was going to say that like kids will do what they want to do. Like, like with you, when, you know, your mom was telling you not to surf, but you're going to surf. So if you tell someone go and surf. Yeah, they're, they're not going to want to do, do it. It's like one of my friends uh, with his kid. He's like, I really want you to kite surf. He's like trying to teach him and teach him. He's like, no, I'm not really into it. I'm not really into it. And then it, after after a while, he like left him and he's like, oh, maybe I want to try. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You never really know what the kid is going to want to do. You just got to like sort of guide him, I guess, in a way, haven't you? Yeah. Support them, whatever they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like now we're a bit late because we've got a 17 months old daughter 
And I feel like I love the way you described the whole thing. And I feel like we're late now. We've got some catching up. We put her, we put her in the, I mean, she's always in the water with us. And I was thinking that surfing would definitely be the first thing she gets to do because kite surfing is just too much. I mean, you can't teach her three years or, you know, when she's yeah. a bit older. So surfing seems like the most, you know, accessible because it's quite easy to, like you were explaining. Yeah. But uh, I feel like we're late now. We need, we need but to it's catch cold. up. But it's cold where you are, right? Yes. Sort of. But well, she's now, got a tiny wetsuit. She's warm got a cute now. tiny wetsuit. <laughs> she can do yeah. that there. So this this time <laughs> of year cold. in September is probably like the warmest the water is going to get because it's had the whole summer to sort of heat up. Is it like, so, yeah. Um, and a lot, lot of beaches, it's actually really nice and warm. Is that 18, 19? Um, 20, I can't remember It's yeah, not it's, that hot. But. It's nice. You know, we, we still yeah. wear like a, a, a free two or a four free when we go in the water, but yeah. Not too bad. You'd have yeah. to wear like boots, but in the winter, it's yeah, not it Costa cold. Rica, is it? Yeah, it's, no, it's no. No you need to talk. Uh, we need to talk about Costa Rica because it's one of our dream place to go. We haven't been, and yeah. So how? So you run your retreats there, and other places, right? But your home, you've got a home in Costa Rica. Um, so how did you? What happened? How did you? Did you get there and you fell in love and you like with the place and the waves? And you were like, I'm staying here. Yeah, I uh when I was still competing, the boyfriend that I had at the time, we would do surf trips just for us and I would just let him plan it all and not really be involved in it because I was traveling so much otherwise that I was just like wherever you want to go, yeah, let's go. And he suggested we go to Nicaragua. And this was back in like 2006. So like now Nicaragua is like a well-known surfing destination, but then even me, I was like a professional surfer on tour. I was like Nicaragua like I never even heard of anybody going there to surf, but like, okay. And I really fell in love with it there. We both did. We bought property right away. And, um, and then I sort of got tired of competing, kind of burnt out on it. And I was like, I, let's move to Nicaragua. Let's move there. And he was like, really like more conservative and had a good job and was really close with his family. And he was like, oh, I don't want to live there. I just want to visit there. And I was trying to convince him. And I was like, let's just live there for one year. Let's just take a year off and live there. And he was like, well, if I work one more year, I can save up this much more money. And I'm like, okay, fine, we'll wait a year. And then we waited a year. And then at the end of that year, he was like, well, if I just work one more year, I'm like, all right, we'll wait another year. And then two years later, he's like, if I just, and I was like, bye, I'm going, I'm going, you come with me or not. And we ended up breaking up. And so, yeah, I started living in Nicaragua in 2010, full-time. And then my I met the man that I married he was a, he's an American but he was traveling there and we met and he wanted to live there and so yeah we started we started that journey and we were together for 10 years and um about halfway through he was like let's go to Costa Rica and maybe we might want to buy something there too just to kind of diversify and he was a biologist and Costa Rica has a lot more natural resources than Nicaragua does they have all the jungles and animals and all of this um, and I saw what he was talking about. And so we bought a place there as well. And then over the last few years, just Nicaragua had some political stuff going on. It made it really hard for tourism for a couple of years. And then I just happened to be in Costa Rica when the pandemic hit. So over the last few years, I've spent more time in Costa Rica, but I do have a home in each and we run retreats in both. So do you prefer Costa Rica now? Or do you not have a preference? I, the, the beach that I moved to Central America to surf, like my favorite wave on the planet is in Nicaragua. It's walking distance from my house in Nicaragua. So there's definitely a part of my heart that lives there. And also that was the first place I moved to Central America. And I spent a lot of time there and really like in the community there. So yeah, I, I love Nicaragua. But as far as like long-term living, Costa Rica is where I've chosen if there's just a little bit more community and yeah, they've done a better job with their natural resources and the government is more stable and um, the local people are a little more educated as well. So as far as like, you know, I don't want to just be like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a foreigner in my little foreigner community. Like I want to be a part of the local community as well. And I feel like in general, the local community in Costa Rica, I can sort of relate to a little bit more. I can have more local friends that I feel, you know, like more connected with, even though I do have great friends in Nicaragua too. It's just a little bit different um, based on the education system that they've had a chance to experience. So yeah, I think long-term 
long-term Costa Rica is like where I live. Um, but I love visiting Nicaragua. So you say your favorite wave is in Nicaragua. Um, yeah. What, what would you say your ideal wave was though? What, what, what would make your ideal wave? So the wave that's there, oh, I wish I could have the two together because Costa Rica <laughs> where I live now also has amazing waves and it would be nice if the both was like right down the street from the other, but in Nicaragua, it's a hollow beach break. So it's, it's super hollow and it's like essentially a shore break. It breaks really close to shore. Um, so yeah, the water comes out of, you know, or wave comes out of deep water and goes boom and like peaks up in this A-frame left and right. Like you can just get barreled every day and um onto sand versus like reef or whatever so and i like also that it's close to shore it's not like one of those hollow waves that breaks way far out and you have to like do a thousand duck dives to get out to it and it's like it's right on shore which is what makes it kind of challenging too because it's shallow um but it feels safe to me anyway like i'm like less afraid of shallow than i am of like deep you know so the slamming slabby sandbar situation is my preference versus like a big open water like far out to sea hollow wave um so yeah i really love that but then in costa rica where i live it's just left point break after left point break after left point break so after spending a few months just surfing left point breaks and doing cutbacks and a million turns on a wave then it's nice to go to the boom and surf a short like super intense hollow wave that's really nice having both and they also work in different seasons um, there's only like a few months where you kind of have to like pick and choose which one you want to be at. Cause they're both potentially good. It's like, there's definitely like this, you know, Nicaragua is good this time of year and Costa Rica is good that time of year. And, um, so it's nice to have like a rotation. I had a really good rotation for a few years of like these months in Nicaragua and then these months in Costa Rica. And then I go home to California for a couple months and see family and then back to Nicaragua. It's probably a bit more busy in California though, right? Busy, busy, yeah. Is it? It's probably yeah. busier than I. I lived the last year in California, but up until that, when I would come to California, I wouldn't even surf. Or maybe I would do like a novelty surf to like go surf with my sisters or like meet up with some friends and go surfing. But like I personally like had no desire to surf. Does it get that <laughs> it busy? It's a social thing. It's not that it's busy. It's it's not the busyness of it. Because the waves get busy. These other spots I'm talking about get busy too. It's not like it's empty. Um, it's just the quality of the wave. Yeah. Okay. You know, to drive on a freeway, to pay at a parking meter, to put on a thick wetsuit, to go surf an average, you know, beach break with a bunch of people. I'll just, just not. <laughs> well, you, you better see like the waves that we have to deal with. Yeah. No, you don't <laughs> want to see them. It's just mush. Um. But I was going to ask, is it is it also the people? Do you feel, is it a different spirit on the break, you know, if you're surfing in Costa Rica compared to California? Like the, you know. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I think, no, I don't think so. I think, I think the spirit of surfers are, I mean, obviously there's like individual differences. Like uh, the boyfriend that I have now, he surfs at this like super localized break. And so when I surf with him, it's, it's almost like a flashback to being, you know, in high school where I'm the only woman in the water, or maybe there's one or two others sometimes, but in general, I'm the only one. And it's a super hierarchy, like pecking order where I, I don't even look at a wave unless someone tells me to go like by name or no one else is looking at it, you know? And, and there's something to be said. I have to experience some like nostalgia for that of like, oh, this is, I know how this works. Like, this is how I grew up surfing. Um, whereas in Costa Rica, like and Nicaragua, there is some element of localism, but because, you know, these are tourist destinations where somebody, you know, all these different people are coming down for the swell or, you know, just for this week, you can't really have that element of localism so there are differences in that way but then of course there's other beaches in california that are nothing like that that are just like a free-for-all of you know soft tops and beginners and longboarders and salty old guys that have been serving there for 30 years and everything else so i think that within any any stretch of beach you're going to get all the different things like even in costa rica there's like this one area that's like the, the localized spot where all the locals surf and you got to know them and 
whatever. And if you don't know them, they're just going to take your wave. But then there's the beginner spot over here where it's just fun and happy and everyone's party waving. And I think that exists in surfing all over the world. You know, there are those certain spots that are going to be like this and there's certain spots that are going to be friendlier. And I think I'd go to the party wave bit. Yeah. Love a good party we, wave. We're going to ask, what was your best party wave memory? I love party waving. Party waving is like, that's probably my... Oof, after getting barreled, I was about to say it's my favorite thing in surfing, but that's not totally true. But party waving is right there. Um, and, and yeah, it just makes it more interesting. You know, like, I feel like it's an extra challenge because surfing itself, it's like there, there's you and your performance and your physical ability. And then there's like reading the wave and what that's doing. But then you add on another person and having to like read what they're going to do and like how to surf around them and surf with them it's like takes it to that next level but um i do a lot of party waves in the surf coaching thing because i like to surf with the gopro so i'll like take off with the person and then i can like film them and also like scream instructions and cheer like as we're surfing together so it's something i do all the time but definitely my favorite party wave ever was um my boyfriend and i we were in indonesia we were surfing at macaronis and party waving doesn't really come naturally to him. Like it's definitely something that I've had to like really work on with him. And <laughs> like, I'd be like, go, go, go. And he'd be like, no, it's, this is your wave. And I'm like, I know and I want you to go with me, you know? And, and he's like, no, I didn't want to mess wave up. I'm like, no, no, you're adding to it. You know, it's something I've really had to like, yeah, convince him to do with me. And I finally got him on board and we had this amazing wave where I think we crossed like four times and it was all on video and definitely one of the best waves of my life and um, favorite party waves. Other than serving with my kids, I had another wave soon after that where I was on the board with my daughter and my son was on his own little board and we we're all in the same wave. So like Clearly, I'm, I'm realizing that riding waves with the people I love is my favorite thing to do in surfing, for sure. Yeah, adds we adds a lot to it. Adds yeah. a lot to it, definitely. We had a we had a party wave once when uh, Mel, Mel was actually pregnant. Yeah. And you know me. On my long it, board. Was, it was our, it was our first. I'm family nowhere party near wave. your level, so it wasn't it wasn't crazy party waving. But it was it was, it was good, no you know? going first, in and first out. First family party wave. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah it was nice. Moment. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, yeah. It's the same. I didn't, I stopped surfing earlier than that kite. So I'm, I'm more confident I'm a better kite surfer than surfer, but I feel like very quickly with my belly, like paddling felt a bit funny. Like, and like you said, I think once you start worrying, there's no point going, you know, you don't want to yeah. be out there worrying about your baby. So right. just do it. But yeah, I kite surf until I was five months, six months pregnant or something. Yeah, okay. she, but on she, a surfboard, she was so cruising I around. Jump, she was like, so "I'm fine. not gonna jump. I'm yeah. not gonna jump." And then all of a sudden, you just see her flying in the air. Yeah, <laughs> uh, River is obviously fine. She's she, she, well, she, she loves, loves the water. It. She's fine. I think it was how to prepare her. It's like what you did. You prepare them in the womb to to get used oh, to the water. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you know your body too. It's like yeah. whenever somebody would like look at me, like, "What are you doing?" Whatever. It's like I know my body. I know mm. my limits. I'm yeah. not exactly. going to do anything stupid. And I'm sure you were the same. Yeah, a lot of people judge that. It's 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 funny how they do, especially with surfing as well. So many pro yeah. surfers now surf um, pregnant, and there's still people being like, "What are you doing?" You know, it's a ba like yeah, like they don't know what they're doing very well. Yeah, better than loads of people. Um, so yeah, that was fun. Okay. So, um, I wanted to know what was your favorite thing about running the retreats in, uh, in Central America? Oh man, it's so fun. I, I think it's the, my favorite thing is, um, I mean, there's a very similar answer to what my favorite thing is now. Party my favorite waves. thing is getting to live that lifestyle is is being able to like I set the goal that I was going to start this business and that I was going to live in Central America and run these retreats and it was successful and you know beyond my wildest dreams of what I thought I was going to turn into um so that feels good and but just it's so fun it's so fun to like you know show up with my cup of coffee in the morning and be like all right here's what we're going to do you know and everybody's they're on vacation so everybody's happy and stoked and 
And then to be able to, I feel really inspired by a lot of the clients. They're always, always really cool women from all over the place, majority US, but international as well. And, you know, successful women with interesting stories. And it's fun to be able to sit around and talk and laugh and learn about each other and then, and then be able to support them in the water and then have them go home and send me an email a week later talking about how much more empowered they are or what they learned or how they're still smiling about their trip six months later, you know, it feels, it feels good. It's so it's like multifaceted. Like I'm enjoying it. I get to achieve my goal of, of like making money, doing what I love. And then I also feel like I'm doing good. I'm helping people and making people smile. And um, now we have like, it's rare to get someone new. We have such a, a repeat clients like people who have been on like five six eight ten retreats that come back come every year or they bring like a friend or um whatever so it's 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 successful and it feels good it's like okay people like this they keep coming back we got to add new locations so that they can come and you know collect all the passport stamps i mean it's true self-care isn't it and i feel like it's what people want to do especially after the pandemic i guess you've got loads of People want to have experiences. They want to do things that feel good. And do you feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of people started doing water sports after the pandemic. Like we saw a surge of people coming to the sea and, you know, wild swimming or kite surfing and surfing. Did you feel that as well? Like yeah, definitely. I think that because, I mean, in some places the beach is closed as well, but the beach was open more than like the gym and you know, sports and all these other things. So I think there's a lot of people who maybe had, might've shown some interest in surfing, but once they, that was like the only thing that they were able to do, then they started doing it and developed that habit and then realized how good it makes them feel. And now they're, you know, lifelong, or at least, you know, for now it's like their hobby of choice. So definitely, yeah, met a lot of clients. We, we asked, we have like an intake form that asks them about their surfing experience and quite a few that said that they learned to surf during the pandemic. It was a good time for water sports, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could go out. It was, yeah, because in the UK, well, you probably, I don't know, in the US or in Costa Rica, but for us, it was, it was authorized for us to go out as in it was the sport we could do outside. So, you know, people would go mm -hmm. run and be like, well, we're going kiting then. So that was quite good, wasn't it? Wouldn't have survived without it anyway. Yeah, we, we right. needed it. Is, is there any other water sports that you would like to try? Haven't haven't surfing. Uh, you know, I I I for a minute I thought I was going to try kiting. Yeah. I like there was a guy that I had a crush on who was into kite surfing. This was years and years and years ago, and uh, I went home. I think I met him in Hawaii, and I went home and I went to the kite shop, and I was like, all right, I need to learn how to kite because there's this guy, and they like set me up with like a. Like it wasn't like a little trainer kite. It was just like a, the smallest, like actual kite that you could potentially use. And they're like, okay, but the first time you use it, you're probably going to be pretty sore and you need someone to help you and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, sweet. And then I had a contest coming up and I was worried about being sore before the contest. I was like, I'll wait till after the contest. And then after the contest, there was a trip and then there was another trip and then there was another trip. And then by then I had lost all interest in that original guy and I never even used it. I had it, I bought it and I had it and it sat in the, in the closet for years and I eventually just gave it away to somebody. And by then, it, you know, kiting has changed so much and, you know, it was like, it was like an antique by that point. Um, it doesn't really answer your question, but I don't know. I, I feel, <laughs> the funny thing is that I just feel like I don't have, I don't have time to take on something new. Like there's so many things that I want to do and in, like professionally and then just spending time with my kids and travel that I, there, there, I wouldn't say that there is a water sport that I would like to try. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm gonna take that back. I would like to try foiling. Yeah. My, my boyfriend has a foil and I know it's incredibly hard even for people who are good at things. Um, but I would like to experience it for myself and then I can be another person saying, Oh my God, it's so hard. Yeah. Okay. Well, so a tip foiling. for you to, yeah. to learn foiling is, Get one uh, that you can sort of tow behind a boat so yeah. that you, you can experience the foil and the rise of the foil and just riding it behind a boat to start off with at a nice slow slow speed. And then you'll have an idea of, you know, how it feels. Then maybe you can tow into a wave uh, and then get the feeling of that. 
and then after you've got the feeling of that you can try sort of normal prone surfing with with you know paddling in on a, on a surfboard okay that's you, a good or you can I, I have try heard some that before about doing it behind the boat that's that's good advice though to do those steps yeah it just yeah it just slowly progresses you because i think if you go and try and do prone surfing straight away with the foil um you know any any wrong step on the board will sort of kick the foil out of the water or you know all the opposite just send it straight down but having having a good idea of how to ride the foil first um yeah that really really helps yeah be careful because when we're in south africa a few he was teaching there guy surfing in um they brought a foil one day and all the really good, they were all really good surfers and they were like, oh yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go. They go out with it and you see like them coming back with like cuts and blood running down their faces going, this is so hard. I'm like, well, I'm not trying that because you're an amazing surfer and I can't even pop up. I'm not trying this thing. So yeah, it's definitely a different feeling, isn't it? They they were trying in some big waves. Yeah, they were a bit mental. Okay. Not not really waves. They were really big waves, yeah. Them, I think. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that is that is a fear that I have of, of getting hurt. I saw a guy from Costa who had like severely cut his leg with it, yeah. and I was like, "Oof, I don't know if it's worth mm. it." But if I had to, if I had to answer your question with what I want to try, that would be it. But I'm not like that motivated to go out and try it. Yeah, <laughs> like my body <laughs> put together the way I don't have time to be hurt. Yeah, that's why it's good to do them steps. You know, start from a boat, yeah. do a bit of towing. And work your way up from there. Okay, sounds good. Um, okay, I guess our final question could be, what are you most excited about for the next coming month, year, decade? Um, well, my life has just radically changed because the kids have lived with me since they were born. And then um, I had them throughout the pandemic in Costa Rica and my ex their dad he actually got locked out we you know no one expected the pandemic to go on as long as it did especially in the very early days and when they announced that the border was going to close we were he was supposed to come like the day before or maybe no I think it was the day after he was meant to come the day after and he was like well they're going to close the border and I could come a little bit earlier but I have all this other stuff going on so you know, it actually, maybe it's a blessing. I, ha- I want to finish what I'm doing and, and whatever. And then it ended up being eight months. He didn't see the kids and they were pretty little at the time. So when we finally finished up all our divorce stuff, one of the, um, one of the negotiating pieces was that he was going to get them for a year to kind of make up for that year where they would live with him. And then I would be visiting them. And, uh, that starts now. It actually, this is right now I'm in San Francisco, like visiting them for the first time and there's definitely like it's it's bittersweet right because obviously like there's a part of me that's like oh my god I've just been a single mom for the last three years and doing everything and he gets to come in and visit them and take them to Disneyland and sleep in and make pancakes and you know take them on ski trips because I have them during school and so there's part of me that's like really excited for the opposite. Now I get to be the fun mom that just comes in for five days at a time and, you know, gets to do all the fun stuff while he has to do the grind of the day to day. But then there's the flip side of it is like, I don't get to see them as much. So it's like, we have a 60, 40 split and I have had them 60% of the time, but this year I only get them 40. Um, but at the same time, I now have more time to myself than I've had basically since having kids. And it's kind of funny that in my, in my world, in order to get time to myself, I had to get divorced. Um, (laughs) But it is what it is. So this year I'm traveling a ton. So I'm going to Morocco in two weeks. um, And then I'll be spending a month in, in Nicaragua. And then I'm going to pick up the kids. We're going to go to Costa Rica. And then I'm going to be in San Diego for six weeks. And then I'm going back to Nicaragua and then I'm going to Peru and then I'm going to Costa Rica. So I'm really excited about, it's kind of like I'm going back to my whole life on tour. Like I'm essentially homeless. Like my home is in Costa Rica, but I'm only going to spend so many months there. And right now I'm like living out of a suitcase for the next, you know, eight months or so. And it's kind of exciting. And there's this, all of this, like, okay, I'm, I'm about to turn 42 and this year is going to be my year to sort of really focus on me and what do I want to do the next phase of my life and how am I going to integrate this holistic surf coaching and um, yeah, just kind of taking that time to step back from the kids just a little bit 
and really kind of focus on like getting myself together for then what comes next. So then I'll get them back to me, um, be living with me in July. So I have between now and July to kind of dive into that. And I'm excited about it. That sounds amazing. You're going to go on an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us. I think that's a lovely way to end it. Um, awesome. But yeah, really, really nice chatting with you. Yeah, thank you so much we for coming We learned a lot, on. especially yeah. about how to make your kids surf. No, yeah, kidding. I was going to say, <laughs> there was like definitely River, some good tips. is that what you said her name was? Yeah, yeah. School yeah. River. Yeah, awesome, cute. Well, yeah, good luck getting her in the water. And, and you know, we there's awesome family waves down in Costa Rica. So when you do get around to that Costa Rica trip, maybe wait till she's a little older, four or five or so, so you can yeah. really take advantage. Then send me a message and I'll, I'll say yeah. And I definitely awesome. might be going on a retreat. That would be nice. Yeah. On my own? You can go yeah, on mom. Retreat. You deserve yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. She does. <laughs> she definitely deserves it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. And um, have You're a welcome. good day then because it's daylight. Yeah, thanks for okay. thanks for conforming to my schedule. Night owls. <laughs> it's <laughs> no fine. Worries. It's perfect. It actually worked out perfectly because yeah. we're like eight, oh, hours, really, really good, eight yeah. hours later here. Awesome. Anyway, cool. Thank you so much, Holly. (laughs) Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this episode with Holly. If you want to see more from her, then please check out the description where you'll find links to her social channels and websites. If you like the podcast, then please show us some appreciation and leave us a review and rate us. If you want to check out anything else we get up to at Tide, then please head over to our social channels and Instagram and Facebook. Or you can check out our website, tidewatersports.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you there for the next one. Bye.